Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, I think it's safe to say that everybody would like to be and to have in their life good relationships. We all want good relationships. There's everyone's in a relationship of some sort. You have a relationship with yourself, relationship hopefully with your parents, family members, siblings, significant other, you're married, your spouse, at work, meaning a lot of our life revolves around relationships. And I think we can all say that when we're in good relationships, we are happier. Uh, people. So the question I want to ask and address to you today is what would you say, especially as a rabbi, I'm sure you deal with a lot of relationship challenges. What are the elements of a good relationship? And the reason why I think it's so important to identify is to then also know how we can increase those elements in our life so that we can increase the powerhouse of our relationships that we're in. Yeah. Wow. One of the most important questions uh, that needs to be addressed because it's all about relationships You know, the golden rule of the teachings of Torah is love your neighbor as yourself. But what are the ingredients that goes into loving anybody? So actually, um, based on the teachings of the Kabbalah, and I'm not going to go into the the terminology of it Kabbalistically, but I'm going to jump to the conclusions, which is there are four ingredients to love. The first ingredient and I'll go through each one separately, but first I'll just give you the four of them a, a quick overview. The first one is creating space in your life for somebody other than yourself. The second thing is that you're creating space in your life for someone who's other than you. So you need to acknowledge that they are other than you, respect that they are other than you, and support that they are not you. They are other than you. Uh, the third ingredient in a loving relationship is to give of yourself to that other. And the fourth ingredient of, of a relationship is that you allow others to do those three things for you, that they can create a space in their life for you, be able to acknowledge and respect and support how you are different and other than them, and that you are receptive to them giving themselves to you. So uh, those are the four ingredients that I've identified based on the teachings of Kabbalah. And now I'll go into each one of them. Hmm. The first ingredient is creating space in your life for somebody else. Very often people don't have relationships because they don't have any space in their life for somebody. They're so self-absorbed. They're so self-centered. Or they just might be just so busy. You know, I met a woman... uh, a young single woman on the Upper West Side is considered to be a haven for the singles. And uh, and she said, you know, there's no men here. I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) Thousands of men here in just a few blocks of the Upper West Side of Manhattan. She says, no, they're not available because they're so immersed in their careers. They're getting up at five o'clock in the morning. They're they're going to bed like at at one o'clock in the morning. They're They just don't have even time in their lives. And so if they do have a date, it's very minimal. And even if they're at the date, they're so they're so um, preoccupied with what happened in their day and their career that there's simply no space for somebody else in their life. And uh, and that's one of the reasons that relationships are, 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 are somewhat uh, we're, we're witnessing a bankruptcy of a relationships in this world. 
Because first of all, people just don't have time. They don't have a, play, a window in their lives for somebody else. You know, they're just so busy. In fact, uh, you know, one of my hobbies is matchmaking. And someone suggested um, to a fellow that maybe I could help him. He was already in his early 40s, not married yet. And so I said, sure, I'd be happy to meet him and see if I could suggest a, an appropriate uh, spouse for him. So I get to his office. He was a stockbroker. And, and I see, you know, I get to the, there's a receptionist and on the wall is, is his last name. I can't remember what his last name was, but we'll call it Schwartz. Big letter Schwartz. And I'm going to meet Schwartz. And so I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And receptionist says, Mr. Schwartz is ready to see you now. And I walk into a room and it's filled with computer screens and, I see this guy and he is hyperactive, looking at every screen, quickly says to me, hello, and isn't looking at me, but looking at the screens. And he says to me, I understand, Rabbi, that you could maybe help me find, uh, you know, a life partner. And I said, honestly, I can't. Hmm. And he said, what? I said, well, you know, if you want to meet somebody, you need to create space in your life and you're trying to meet me and you haven't even created space for me, you're just constantly looking at these screens, not wanting to miss a, a, you know, a, a number in a deal. And so the first thing is creating space in your life for somebody else. Your time needs, you need to put a window of, of serious time in your life. But also, if you're self-centered, there'll be no place else. You need to be able to create a space in your life to put somebody else in the center. Hmm. And Any I questions would add that before I go on? Yeah, no, I'm just thinking I'd add that even when one's in a relationship to keep that relationship thriving, you need to constantly have time together. I think in any relationship one's with, I think that's the challenge of even people who are already in committed relationships or even parents and children. If you don't have time together, there isn't time to feed that relationship. Exactly. I say I call time the oxygen of love. Mm, well, I like that. You, know, you, you need time and people just don't have time for each other. And they're just so busy and busy and busy and busy, and they're 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 making all this money, and they're and they're and they're you know um, uh, earning a living, but they are not yearning a life. Mm. You know, there's something wrong. And um, they have these huge mansions. <clears throat> I know this fellow, very successful guy, and uh, I met him uh, the first time I met him. I saw that he had a picture of four beautiful redheads little boys. I said, Oh, I love redheads. Cause I'm a redhead. And he sadly said, yeah, those are my kids. And I said, why well, are you sad? And he said, well, my, my wife and I are divorced and I don't get a lot of time to see the kids. And I said, Oh, I'm sorry. And he said, well, what happened was my, my wife fell in love with the gardener of our estate. And now he lives on my estate. Um, she got, she got the estate in the divorce settlement. And I'm thinking, well, you know, because he was around, <laughs> I didn't say this to him, but he was, but this guy wasn't around. There was no, there was no space for his, his wife to be in the center. In the, the center of his life was making all that money when the center of the, his life should be his wife. Hmm. And, uh, and that's something that is very important to know, especially in a marriage, your spouse needs to be your number one priority. Not your, not your career and, and not your children. Your children need to see mommy and daddy making each other priority number one. Mm. So, um, so the second step in that relationship is you're making a space in your life 
But for somebody that's other than you, somebody that you respect is different than you, because we have a tendency to project ourselves on other people and we kind of assume that people are just like us. And if you want a relationship with someone, then it's got to be with who they are and not who you're projecting on them. In fact, I was uh, engaged to a woman and it was, um, it was a, uh, I was meeting her Saturday night uh, and it was a rainy day and my, I, I was, I, and so my, the suit I always wear was, was wet. So I, I had a suit that I never wore anymore, which was a black suit and, and it was raining. So I put on a black hat and I was really dressed in a way that I never dressed before. And when I went to pick up my fiance, she opened the door and she said, oh my gosh, just the way I always pictured you. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked by that. Like, what do you mean always pictured me? I mean, we, we, we saw each other every second night, you know, and, uh, and then I realized that the whole time I was dating her, she was cheating on me and seeing another man. And what was really scary was I was the other man. Ooh, wow. She had projected on me someone I'm not. And uh, she didn't create a space in her life to respect and see me for who I am. She wasn't in a relationship with me. She was in a relationship of a uh, projection, a fantasy of who she wanted me to be rather than who I really am. You know, that's what I once heard is a very sweet little teaching that intimacy means into me see. And it's really to see into who that person is. And, uh, and, it's, and it's, it's very common that people just assume that the people they're in relationship with think like them. Uh, you know, I had a funny situation. I was at this fellow who does handwriting analysis and drawing analysis. And in the drawing analysis, it, you, one of the exercises is to draw a tree on the back of the page. So there were three of us filling this out. And uh, the guy next to me draws this huge tree that takes up the entire page. And the guy next to him draws this little tiny tree in the upper left corner. And then something really comical happens. I see the guy with the big tree is really disturbed by the little tree and can't hold himself back. And he finally says, excuse me, but I hope you don't feel I'm prying, but you didn't read the instructions. And the guy said, I didn't. He said, no, it says draw a tree on the back of the page. That means on the whole back of the page. And you didn't do that. You drew on the corner and that's not even a tree. That's a shrub. Hmm. Now, he basically assumed that the way he perceives a tree is the way everybody perceives a tree. And, um, you know, I tell my students to like I do an exercise where I have everybody draw a tree and then I have them all flash their trees to each other. And they're all really shocked. They, they, They just can't believe that's a tree. And we don't realize how, you know, It says in the Talmud, just as our faces are different, so are our opinions different. And to be in a relationship with someone, it's to be in a relationship with someone who is other than you, who is different than you. And it takes an openness and a perceptiveness to see how people are different and respect that difference and be supportive of that. And, you know, I, I, I know somebody who was engaged to a fellow and she kept trying to change him, kind of sculpt him into who she wanted him to be. And until she finally decided that, you know, he's not a mannequin. She was dressing him up in the kind of clothing she wanted him to wear and the glasses he, she wanted him to wear. And, and then she realizes that she's not 
this is not a mannequin that you dress up. This is a real human being who has his own opinions. So that's the second ingredient in the relationship is that you respect. You can't love somebody you don't respect. And the word respect comes from the word spectacle, to see. Respect is you, you, you are able to see somebody and, and receive them and not assume they're the exact same person they were yesterday. Mm-hmm. To respect somebody is to repeatedly see them for who they are now and not assume they are what you want them to be or they are who they used to be. And that's a big teaching about relationships. The second, the third ingredient in relationship is to give of yourself to somebody, which means to really be present for them, you know, and, uh, and a big part of that is learning to listen. Mm. You know, I, I, I did a, uh, I did a match and the woman came back and told me that the guy spoke about himself all night long, you know, all night long. He spoke about himself. Until after a couple of hours, she's just tired of hearing this guy just talk about himself. He asks her nothing about herself. Finally, he says to her, you know, enough about me. Let's talk about you. Tell me, what do you think about me? It's a joke. I'm just joking. That's not what happened. (laughs) But uh, it's not uncommon that I hear people say that I was on a date and the guy or the girl just spoke about themselves. And again, they're not creating a space for somebody other than themselves. They're not acknowledging their other. They're not asking them any questions. They're not listening i know somebody and this is a true story he was on a bus and he gets into a conversation with a guy sitting next to him and the guy spoke the entire journey the entire bus trip he spoke it was like two hours and then at the end of it he says to the to my friend says you're such an interesting guy i really enjoyed this conversation there was no conversation it was a monologue Mm. and people don't realize that they're so full of themselves they're so insecure that they just can't create a space in their life for somebody else and they can't see other people. They just see everybody as a reflection of themselves and can't have that open-mindedness. But then you have to give of yourself to somebody. And the way you give of yourself is really be there present for them. Really listen, you know, feedback to them, ask them questions, you know, show them genuine interest in what they're saying. And, and that's the gift of presence. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's really being there for somebody. And um, and then the last uh, piece of this puzzle of a relationship is you have to allow people to love you. You know, there's some people that know how to love, but don't know how to be loved. And, um, you know, you have to allow people to make space in their life for you. And, oh, I don't want to take up any of your time. You know, I have a friend. We invited him for dinner for Shabbat. And he said, oh, you don't have to do that. I said, of course, they don't have to do that. That's why it's called a gift. If I had to do that, it would be business. <laughs> but, you know, why can't you accept the gift? And uh, people are very uncomfortable accepting a gift. Uh, they feel they need to earn everything. They need to deserve everything. And so it's hard for them to receive love. But love is, 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 is a free gift. You don't earn love. You know, you don't have to deserve love. Uh, you don't have to work for love and uh, it's not a payoff. It's a gift to love somebody. And so, but some people are uncomfortable receiving the gift of love. And I know somebody who, who, who sadly his wife surprisingly said he, she wanted a divorce and he couldn't understand that when he was such a loving husband, but then he realized that he was such a loving husband and he always interfered with her loving him and when you love somebody you feel very connected to them 
But how is that person that you love going to feel connected to you if you don't let them love you? And so, you know, when you give to somebody, you feel invested in them and you feel connected to them. But if you don't allow them to give to you, how are they going to feel connected to you? It's a real needing to learn how to receive then. And it's interesting that some people are more challenged in one direction or another. For some people, the challenge is the giving. And for some people, the challenge is the receiving. Right. There's a book called Women Who Love Too Much. I didn't read it, but I love the title. (laughs) And I don't think it's just women. But there's some people that love too much and are not willing to be loved. They don't believe they're worth loving. You know, it's the it's the it's the old joke that uh, one comedian said, I would never date a woman that would date me because any woman that would date me isn't worth dating. So, you know, we we we, um, you know, it's it 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 it, it comes from a place of if they love me, there must be something wrong with me. Like I love them. But if they reciprocate, there must be something wrong, because why would they love me? I'm not worth loving. Hmm. And so uh, so people need to allow themselves to be loved and uh, allow people to be kind to them and just say thank you. Just don't say, oh, that was not necessary. Oh, please don't. That's not fair. They, they have the, they, they should have the gift of loving just as much as you have the gift of loving. And you should be a recipient also, not a giver. So very often people say love is giving. It's not true. Love is giving and receiving. To be in a relationship, there has to be a give, and I don't like take, because that's like selfish, but a give and receive. Now, I love that you call these ingredients, four ingredients to love, because the idea is that you need this in every relationship. You need each part. There's four parts. You need each part in the relationship. Um, each relationship will be a little bit different in terms of how how this space works. But I think when you think of, okay, I want to make a cake, you have to have a sense of the ingredients that go in to make it come out. And I think as we're saying here, everyone wants to have a healthy, successful, thriving relationship. But sometimes I think we're not aware of which ingredient, especially when we're finding we're not getting that question is what's lacking. And here you're really giving a real um, clear list, but this list has to be integrated. I think the idea is that for anybody in any relationship, especially if you feel like it's not thriving to really examine each piece here and wonder, is this ingredient something that I need to increase that I need more of, and that will increase the, the whole environment of my relationship. Yeah, I, I wrote a book, one of my first books called Endless Light, and there's two chapters all about this. Hmm. Now, specifically on number two, the idea that you have to recognize that the other person is other than different than you. I was really thinking that when you think about the challenges in a relationship is often when we have disagreements that turn into arguments. And Every disagreement is based on the fact that this person is not me. So they're going to see the same situation very different than me. Yes, sometimes we'll see things very similarly. But I think the disagreements come when we, that's number two, that makes it obvious. And it's a reminder, oh, yes, there's, we have a lot of things we see similarly. But in this case, this is a reminder, you're not me and I'm not you. So it does make sense. You're going to see this differently. Um, And not being surprised by that, not being upset with that. Uh, learning the proper skills to how to work through the fact that we see things differently. We may have to come to some conclusion here, but I was thinking that number two really is a very important element that I think takes people by surprise. And if we could really acknowledge that in a healthy way, I think there would be less arguing in relationships. But, you know, it's not only just being willing to accept the differences. It's, 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 it's celebrating the richness 
that differences generate. Mm. Now, if we both see the same thing the same way, then there, there's not much, you know, uh, of a fertility going on over here, you know, like what's going to grow? What's, you know, it's like it, it, a person should rather than be challenged by hearing a different perspective should invite it and enjoy it because, wow, I, I never saw it that way. That's just so much. It's so expanding to be able to kind of get inside somebody else's head and see things through their eyes and not always demand that things go through your eyes or that everybody else sees things your way. Mm -hmm. And I think just that element right there in so many relationships, if we can change our perspective and recognize it's the differences are something to celebrate. They don't have to cause tension and break our relationship apart. If anything, it can actually be a source of growth and enjoyment and vigor in our relationships. That's already life changing right there. I want to thank you all for joining us, Rabbi Aaron. I love the clarity that you've given us in this aspect of how to increase um, the positive ingredients that go into a good and healthy relationship. I think all of us will definitely be able to contemplate where we can increase certain aspects of these ingredients, and we will find that we will have more thriving relationships. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel.